Blog Talk. And hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth About Trucking Live. I am your host, Alan Smith, and we are coming to you live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, about 80 miles north of Tampa. And I want to thank you for spending a little bit of your time with us today. I really appreciate it. Today's show is going to be discussing hazmat operations, and I chose this topic for today for several reasons. I receive a lot of emails from students and new drivers concerning the transporting of hazardous material and, and if there's better opportunities within this field than, let's say, pulling dry freight, flatbed, or whatever. And um, I found through corresponding with many of them that there's a great number of drivers that really look at hazmat as just another commodity to get on down the road, so to speak. And it got me to thinking about the possibility of complacency that could exist with some drivers when hauling hazmat. And maybe that's because so many hazmat shipments crisscross our country on a daily basis with never a problem that the general public never even gives it a second thought. Now, that's a, that's a good thing, of course, but as a professional driver, one has to keep their mind on the job every second. And I feel when hazmat is involved, that only increases the need for attention. I mean, you know, one little slip-up with a big rig is bad enough. Add a hazardous load to that, and, well, that could be a very big problem. Now, being that I'm not an expert in hazmat, I had to find somebody who knew a little bit more about it than I did. And I'm very pleased to have with me today Barry Zuski, who has been involved with trucking and hazmat for a great number of years. and specifically petroleum products such as gasoline and diesel and that sort of thing. And he's responsible for the movement of millions of gallons of gasoline and diesel per year throughout Florida. And, and I was actually able to get him to sit still for 30 or 40 minutes or so to help me out here. So, Barry, I, I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be here today on Truth About Trucking Live. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, Alan. I don't know... Uh... I deserve all the accolades, but I'm going to do my best not to disappoint. Uh, I had today off, and it's just a you know pleasure talking to you. Well, I, I just appreciate you taking the time out. And now you realize, of course, that you are the very first guest on our very first show. So I I know you have to feel really honored, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My head is swelling by the minute. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get my hard hat on tomorrow, but uh, I I am honored. Yeah. Now you've. Um, I mean, you've been in the hazmat with this gasoline stuff for well, how many years? Just tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I started hauling gasoline in 1994, uh, so what the heck's that? About 14 years now. Previous to that, I hauled uh, general freight and, and a bunch of other things. Been driving truck since I got out of high school, which was more years ago than I can remember, and. Uh, had some hazmat, you know, uh, mixed loads with the skid of this, skid of that with a city driver and uh, always wanted to do tanker work and uh, switched over to that and uh, been, been doing that ever since, probably going to do it the, the rest of my days. Well, now you're with, uh, I mean, you're with a pretty good company, um, uh, Pipeline Transportation. Now they're uh, headquartered out of Jacksonville, right? Yeah, they're headquartered out of Jacksonville. I 
work out of a satellite operation in Ocala, Florida. And yeah, they're a good company. I'm uh, I'm on my third uh, company. I'm like every other driver out there, you know. You you shop around, and uh, I found a place I'm happy and uh, have uh, pretty good, pretty good. Got the AC blowing in my face most of the day because you know how hot it gets down here, and uh, I'm happy. Well, they, um, well, you know, um, what I found to be interesting through prepping for this show is that uh, many people believe that the hazmat rules for the trucking industry is completely different from the rules pertaining to other industries like ship and air and railway. And But, but that's not really the case, is it? Actually, hazmat rules for trucking and other industries are basically very much the same. Uh, in the United States, there's around 30 million employees who are exposed to hazmat daily, you know, in their workplaces, and they're covered by the OSHA safety requirements. And in addition, people directly directly involved in transportation, you know, like us, fall under CFR 49 requirements as well. But pretty much anyone who handles hazmat needs to know how to deal with it. Yeah, the, um, I mean, I'm sure they have uh, little variations, like, Simply like air. I mean, I'm I have my pilot license. I fly the little airplanes, and uh, so I would assume there'd be a little few little extra things in there, like how the hazmat material relates to uh, changes in altitude and changes in oxygen. But but uh, other than that, I mean, as a general rule, over mostly uh, it's it's really pretty much basically the same. I was uh, kind of surprised to find that out myself. But if you um, if you remember back on May 11th. 1996, the uh, horrible tragedy of Value Jet Flight 592, with uh, I believe 110 people on board, went down in the Florida Everglades. And the news that got spread around was that it was a faulty aircraft and airlines and that kind of thing. You you recall that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I I remember when that one went down. Well, I want to I want you to listen to an audio clip here, and uh, after it's done, I'll get your reaction. And uh, first, I want to give my special thanks to Mr. James Powell, who's president of Transportation Development Group and also runs LogisticsTraining.com for his assistance in helping me locate this clip. But um, in fact, you'll actually hear Mr. Powell on the uh, clip. He kind of lays the foundation for it, but we'll give it a listen to here. Then I'll get right back with you. Hi, this is Jim Powell from Transportation Development Group and LogisticsTraining.com. The tape you are about to hear is a brief exchange of radio calls between the flight crew of ValueJet 592 and air traffic controllers at Miami International Airport. It was only a matter of minutes from the first distress call and Miami controllers attempt to vector them back to the airport that the aircraft was lost. Contrary to what you may have heard in the media, the crash had nothing to do with being a cut-rate carrier and everything to do with the shipper who was not trained in shipping hazmat. My thanks go out to Special Agent Tony Tepidino of the FAA in Honolulu, who's a frequent guest speaker at our classes. He often reads the transcript of the cockpit voice recorder to the class. That transcript is also included here. Critter 592, contact Miami Center on 132.45, song. Critter 592, contact Miami Center on 132.45. Uh, return to Miami. Critter 592, uh, Roger, turn left heading 270, descend and maintain 7000. 7000, What kind of problem are you having? Uh, smoke in the cabin, smoke in the cabin. Roger. Critter 592, uh, when able, turn left heading 250, descend and maintain 5000. 7000. Winko 49. Winko 49. Yeah, Critter 592 is coming back to Miami. He's got an emergency. Eagle 703 wants 12,000 as a final. I think it's Jeff. Critter 592, they're going to be standing standing by for you. You can plan where you want to when able direct to Dolphin now. Critter 592, turn left heading 140. Critter 592, keep the turnaround heading 120. 1462, we're passing 255. Back 1462, uh, Roger. Critter 592, contact Miami Approach on Christians. Now, you, you just uh, keep my frequency. American 960, turn off heading 270, join a Winko transition. 
Oh yeah, I would imagine. And and um, and uh, for our li- for our listeners out there, if you'd like to call in and be a part of the show, you can do that by calling three four seven eight two six nine one seven zero. And if you're at your PC listening to us, logged into your account, just click on the button that reads "Click to Talk," and that will get you in also. And by using the "Click to Talk" button, it will be a free call, no charges whatsoever. And uh, yeah, so that, that that's one thing that gets me about. Ha- I mean, there's so there's so many different types of hazmat, and uh, rules and regulations can be so confusing sometimes. So. What are some of the misconceptions that you've come across that drivers and owner-operators have had concerning hazmat rules and compliances? Well, I've met some drivers who don't think they need to be trained and certified if they have under a 1,000 pounds of hazmat, but that's not true. You know, they do need training uh, to, to the level, uh, up to the level that, you know, their job requires. You know, it's a little bit open-ended, but, you know, they need enough training to deal with any particular substance you're going to be handling. And a lot of drivers believe that because they have the hazmat endorsement on a CDL that that's the end of it. But actually the DOT regulations require that, you know, you receive additional training in, a, in addition to the, uh, the CDL and appropriate with the job responsibilities. And that training must be updated every three years. Also, I know some owner-operators I meet are not aware, but they have to actually, even, even though it's only one truck, you know, they have to create a written hazmat security plan if they haul an item requiring placards, you know. And it could be something simple, you know. They could just print it out on their uh, word processor, but they have to have it, and, you know, they're liable for a fine. And, and a lot of owner-operators just don't know that. They throw the placards on, and no one ever told them. And, you know, the rules get pretty mean, intense there. You mean they... The, the owner-operator themselves are supposed to have their own written hazmat security plan? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're actually oh. required to have a written plan that includes an assessment, you know, of the possible transportation security threats and, you know, measures to address the threats. You know, so it's, it could be simple stuff like, uh, you know, keeping an eye on a hazmat load when you're at a truck stop, uh, staying on route, right. having people who know when you're supposed to be at a place. Uh, you know, the big companies now, when... They have hazmat loads. They have the GPS, so they know their trucks where it's at and that it's on route and nothing's going wrong. But uh, it'd be a good idea for an oh. operator. You know, with 9/11 and the uh, you know the, the security threat that's come over the last seven years, you know, they're getting a lot more strict on all that stuff. Oh yeah, imagine. And well, uh, I, I didn't even I didn't know they had to have that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not an huh. operator well, anymore. Yeah, I uh, well, yeah, I I learned something. I I had no idea. I wonder. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, well, that's why we got you on the show here today. I wanted to educate you. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I have you on the show. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know if I'm lo- I just loosen it up a little. Al, don't mind me there in the beginning. I've never been on talk radio before, you know. But uh, it's, it's oh, like, that's fine. It's just like we're a phone just, call. Oh yeah, we're just chatting, and um, well, see, that's just a few misconceptions. Now, there is no, okay, now, in, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, there was one more I wanted to touch on, and uh, sometimes okay. drivers, and I don't know if you've ever, especially uh, city freight drivers, you know, they're they're hooking up the loads that they didn't load, and uh, you know, they're they're going to go out and deliver it, and you know, they sometimes. They don't know what they got on the truck. They might know there's hazmat somewhere in the load, but you know the driver is responsible for any problems with that load. So if he gets pulled over and there's a 55-gallon drum that could slide or something like that, you know they actually require in a situation like that that you nail boards to the floor of the truck so that it's impossible mm-hmm. for the thing to move. Stuff like that I've seen drivers get in trouble for, and they didn't even load the truck. But when when a guy hooks up, you want to really make sure that you know what it is that that you got on the truck. I mean it. You could see the hazmat. They usually put little red tags on them. But, uh, I mean, it could be something as simple as a pallet of hairspray qualifies as hazmat if there's enough of it. Or, you know, you might have a, oh. a, a canister of uh, poison gas on there, you know, and yeah. both. And, boy, you, you yeah. know, you want to know which it is before you leave the loading dock. So I'm, I really suggest any driver who is hauling hazmat to, to pop that door open, look, and read your paperwork and make sure. Can, can I tell you a little story? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, 
I knew a driver, he left the terminal with a mixed load, you know, and uh, he pulled up to a red light and a car beeped their horns and they said, you got something leaking out of the back of your truck. And the driver pulled into a strip mall and he got out of the truck and he looked at the back door and there was liquid just pouring out of the thing onto the ground and he panicked. He called 911. The hazmat team came out. Uh, fire engines. I mean, they're, they're going to evacuate the strip mall. They had no idea. Well, eventually, oh, yeah. eventually, you know, they were reacting the way they had to. They didn't know what they were dealing with, you know. And so they had to be safe mm-hmm. rather than sorry. So eventually they asked him for his paperwork and he handed it to him. And it turns out what was leaking out of the back of the truck was dish soap. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, better, better safe than sorry, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fire company. Well, well anyway, when what, what was uh, a couple of five-gallon pails had fallen off top of a pallet, and they hit the deck, and you know what happened. The lid came off, and it, it looked bad. And it turns out up in the nose of the trailer, he actually had spray paint. So he had a, a big uh, oh. pallet of spray paint, which qualified as flammable. So he, had a, he was right. carrying a flammable placard. So the reason I'm telling that story is if if he knew what he had on there, he would know the only thing that was hazardous was spray paint. I don't know what that cost that company. I'm thousands, I'm sure, you know. Oh, I imagine. Yeah, because, see, that that goes back to what, um, you know, they have to have, the drivers have to have the training. I don't know what, you know, how great a training they get, but they don't have to be the ones to take care of the problem in case there's a spill or a hazard. I mean, that's. That's the experts. That's the emergency response team that comes out. So as long as the driver at least knows a, li- a little bit of what you know what what he's carrying. But that, see, I've ran into problems with that before. I've, I've pulled hazmat, and when I looked at the uh, manifest and the paperwork and everything, it's all in numbers, and there's there's really no description. So I've pulled things where I had no idea what I was even pulling. But then again, I guess you can just ask the shipper. You know, hey hey, what are you putting on my truck? Which I never did, but. Uh, we're we're all guilty. I guess, that I guess that's yeah. I we just wanted to get it loaded and get gone, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to get trucking. We, we, we you know we wanted to bang the gears, but yeah. But see that I pulled one load one time, and all it was was just white powder and sacks, and and the paperwork was just nothing but codes and numbers, and I didn't take the time to find out and. And when I got to destination and opened the doors and got back about in the middle of the trailer, a sack had busted, and some of that white powder had just eaten right through the wooden floor of the trailer. And oh, I, wow. I have, I, to this day, I still don't know what it was. But I guess you know that kind of taught me a lesson. I really need to, I really need to know what I'm hauling. You know, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but how now how? How safe is hazmat transportation in the U.S.? I mean, um, we really don't hear that much that goes on. Now, where you and I live in the last 18 months, I mean, I know for a fact there's been like four or five tanker explosions, but that's always kind of uh, ended up being a traffic accident or something like that. But relatively, hazmat transporting in the U.S. is, is really pretty safe. It's, they've got it down to a science, don't you think? Yeah, actually, it's very safe. The, the United States has, uh, you know, they're, they're constantly updating the regulations and, you know, to improve overall safety. And they do a good job. I mean, they, especially since 911, I, I keep saying that, but I mean, they've cranked it up. You know, there's right. a lot more DOT. The, you know, depending on where you're going, the Coast Guard gets involved, and uh, and with the airline thing. Like you said, obviously they're they're very 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 cautious about what they're loading into an airline, and, and, and as far as freight's concerned, the United States is doing a, a real good job. Um, actually, the United Nations uh, has a subcommittee, a Transport of Dangerous Goods subcommittee, and they've developed hazmat regulations for the international community. And what the United States tries to do is harmonize the federal hazardous materials transportation law the best they can, in order to improve you know, safety and compliance. They, they don't have to, right. uh, I know how to put this, if it's staying in our country, there, no one can require them to, to you know, and enter uh, country loads to, uh, to follow that. But basically, they try to. And yeah, individual, you still there? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I got a beep there. <laughs> it threw me off for a minute. Oh, probably probably getting a call in <laughs> don't answer it <laughs> oh okay well, well we can deal with that um i i guess yeah. all waiting will pick up on that you know and yeah. uh <laughs> anyway uh 
the United States does an excellent job, and Canada and Mexico, their regulations are very similar. So most loads, had, yeah, there are some differences, but most loads heading into Canada or, or, or vice versa are already legal for either place, you know, and they do whatever is necessary. Uh, so as far as the international community is concerned, because uh, you said how it differ from other countries, I, I think it would be a matter of willingness to enforce, you know, Mm-hmm. the existing rules and i don't know if anybody can track that uh but the united states is yeah. probably the safest in some of the european countries uh germany has some very strict standards uh, for one and uh i think they're doing a good job as far as the tanker things uh it's uh gasoline tankers are known to do that and i know you know and i think that is uh i don't know what they can do about a situation like that but there's been too many lately yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a dangerous job. I see a lot of these tanker drivers. They uh, run pretty fast. I think they just get complacent. But it, it's it's a dangerous job. Now, I've, since you are in the gas industry, I've I've read recently where anyone doing business within one of our country's ports will have to have something called a TWIC card. Now, what what exactly is a TWIC card, and and what is its purpose now? Uh, its purpose, it's actually TWIC stands for the Transport Workers Identification Credential, and Congress mandated it, and uh, actually they're starting to issue them this year, and some of the ports, uh, it, it depends. There is a list if you go on the Internet, anyone who's going to be required to have a, a TWIC card, and it'll tell you the individual ports and when the card's required to be issued. But in general, somewhere around October this year, most of them are going to ha- you're going to have to have this and uh, it's a common identification credential for all personnel that, you know, if you require un- unescorted access to the areas where the Marine Transportation Security Act uh, covers, mm-hmm. which is generally ports, and uh, to meet, you know, you meet the eligibility requirements. I mean, they do an FBI background check and things like that, and they issue you a tamper-resistant uh, card, and it's got your fingerprint in it. So the idea with the card mm-hmm. is, yeah, yeah, it's it's something else. The idea with the card is that at some point that you could pull up to the gate at, at one of these ports and, and stick your thumb in one of those readers, and it can ID you. See, there's no way to fake that, you know, unless you, unless unless All you're right. carrying unless you're carrying someone else's finger with you, right? That's a that chili story, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, that chili. Well, <laughs> well that's uh, well, go ahead. Uh, well, anyway, for right now, what they're going to do is, you know, and, and I want to suggest that it took 10 weeks to get my card, so I, and other people got it in three, so anyone's out there that's going to need this thing, you really want to be handling it sooner than later. But for now, the Coast Guard has handheld uh, readers, and they're going to do spot checks on people that are in the port and, you know, verify with the fingerprint that's on the card. And But eventually, you'll actually pull up to the port and shove your thumb in that thing, and it'll let you in, sort of like something off of uh, one of those used to be movies from the future that's kind of coming out true, you know? Yeah, kind of cool. Well, that, well, that answered my second question, because I knew the people going into the port, which right now already have a port pass or something, but uh, but now I see the difference. This is going to have your fingerprint, so that kind of that answered my second question. So They're trying uh, to keep the bad guys out is the whole... Uh, yeah. And, you know, like I say, it's just an effort to have uh, something that is not easily faked, because, you know, with computers and all anymore, I mean, you could... People can fake anything, you know, but not that. So, yeah, and that, uh, well, it's another cost too for the drivers or maybe the companies because a quick card, it's it's not free, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you knew that was good. Uh, actually, it's a hundred thirty-two dollars and fifty cents that I had to shell out for that card, um, and oh, a lot man. of the drivers that I encountered were upset, you know, and you, yeah, the companies. I would imagine. Well, if the, I understand where the companies are coming from. If they pay for it and the guy quits the next day, they're out 132. Yeah, you, know, you got you 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 got 100 yeah. drivers. Uh, what what are we talking about? The 13 grand for 100 drivers to get that card, and you know, and they might leave. So, but it is a five-year card. And actually, I'd like to make a point on that because, you know, when the driver's license originally went up and required FBI background checks, it made the Florida license up close to $200, you know, if you had all the endorsements. And I told guys, I said, look, <clears throat> the more expensive your license is, I said, the more money you're going to make. And I'm telling people the same thing with the TWIC card. That 132.50 is going to be enough to get some people not wanting to go in those ports. And, you know, 
Right. It, it has worked out that way. So, I mean, I think that a driver will get it back because the harder it is to qualify for the particular type of work you're doing, the less applicants that are qualified, you know. And a TWIC card, if someone has, uh, it, it's even a lot more stricter than the background check you might get for your license. I mean, there's all kind of things that uh, someone could have done in their life that don't seem too bad that would disqualify them. So, anyway, yeah. well, that makes any, sense. any driver out there, I think they'll get it back in spades. I think that eventually it'll show up as a pay raise, you know. So. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, well talking about pay, um, I found something interesting while I was searching driver salary comparisons and just a regular CDL driver compared to a hazmat driver. And, of course, I, I think these figures are on the high side. For I mean, for instance, it shows a CDL driver out of Tampa, Florida, on the average earns 58000 a year. Now, do you think that's about right or a little high, or what do you think? That Are you talking just in uh, general, any CDL driver? Yeah, just a regular CDL driver, no hazmat. For Tampa, Florida, that sounds kind of high to me, to tell you the truth. But yeah, yeah. These well, these sites they kind of vary, but uh, I think it's a, a little bit high. But I'd say the average for Tampa would be around forty a year. But regardless, my my point here is that when doing a comparison against regular CDL drivers and those who haul hazmat, the hazmat drivers always came in at a lower average salary than the regular CDL holders. I mean, for example. CDL drivers in Tampa, uh, like I said, was 58 a year. Hazmat in Tampa was 49 a year. Uh, a regular CDL in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was 55 a year, and Hazmat in Tulsa was 46,000. A regular CDL in Dallas, Texas, was 62. Now, I think all this is a little bit high, but a uh, Hazmat in Dallas, Texas, was 52,000. So. Now, these type of search comparisons will differ, but ultimately I found that hazmat drivers actually average less than the normal CDL driver hauling dry goods and that sort of thing. I mean, does, does that fit with what you've seen, or, is, or are these sites just off base here? Uh, you know, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I mean, I didn't know that necessarily, um, but, you know, less money. Just say no to cheap rates would be my advice, you know, to, to some of it. If the job doesn't pay enough, don't take it. But it could be that the comparison is from, an, uh, you know, over-the-road drivers are being thrown in with a regular CDL. And, and, you know, maybe they're gone from the house for a couple weeks at a time. And uh, Yeah. Y yeah, you know, but, I mean, in general, drivers' wages are, are you know, supply and demand. you like a commodity. We're sort of like soybeans, you know. So, uh, <laughs> that way, yeah, I've actually seen a couple of drivers that look like a soybean, but uh, so wages would depend on where you live and how many people there are, you know, that are available and qualify for that particular job. I mean, I don't see any reason why it should pay less. I'll put, I'll put it to you that way. The, you know, the reason a driver might consider working for less is due to the type of work that he's doing. And uh, I know that a lot of people haul gasoline used to run over the road, and they wanted to be home every night. You know, there's, there's quite a few, right. and they probably took a pay cut, you know, compared to what they were making. But you know, they're home, they're seeing their kids grow up and, and stuff like that. Right. So, which is which is worth a lot right there. Yeah, yeah, I, I know it is to me, and I've never really run over the road. You know, um, a little regional maybe, but you know, I know I, I like coming home every night, and, and Mama's got the hot food on the table. You know. Uh, yeah. But I think on the other hand, if you if you figure out what it costs to eat out on the road and and uh, you know oh, wash yeah. your clothes, I, I think you know in some cases, in a lot of cases, uh, that the driver is actually making out better, you know. But now I honestly wasn't uh, aware yeah. of of those numbers. Well, that's those those little searches, and I don't really get too heavy on those because you can go to one and another, and they'll they'll vary. But I mean, overall, I think. Locally, uh, I mean, I, I know I know too many jobs locally where you're home every night, where you can actually make more than running out over the road and and being gone all the night. But getting well, back on the, go ahead. Oh yeah, well I was just you know it, it, as from your last question, you know uh, another thing I was thinking about uh, for me personally why I decided to haul tanker is because uh, the freight walks down the hose. <laughs> 
So, I mean, yeah, yeah. in some cases, it has to do with the type of work. And, and you know, hazmat loads, and, and especially in the case of a tanker, you know, you're going to one spot, whether it's gasoline or I've hauled chemicals and uh, things like that. And, you know, you hook up a hose and you, and you watch the thing unload itself. And, you know, compared to trying to get uh, you're, you're out, and I know you were talking about, I think, in Los Angeles somewhere where you were trying to get your 70-foot big rig into a 50-foot hole. And, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, so I, I think part of the reason may be that it's just an easier job and the guy spends a lot of time uh, not doing physical labor. But I just want to add that. So. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. And, they, um, and um, again, you can call us if you want to be a part of the show. Call us at 347-826-9170. We'd love to have you. And, and um, the, um, you know, when, when a driver hires on with a hazmat carrier, what what is the standard training they receive? The standard training that they generally it's is called the HM one twenty six or HM one eighty one. Um, they they've revised that a little bit lately because of this. Uh, in addition to what they were already being trained with their security issues, you know, with maybe uh-huh. someone wanting to hijack your truck or anything. But the training has to satisfy Title forty nine CFR Pipe. Part one seven two point seven zero four subpart H. How about that? Wow. Okay, <laughs> that was <Yeah>. impressive. <laughs> I wrote that down. I said I'm going to lay this one on Alan. It's a little bit like Greek philosophy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that was all right. Yeah, yeah. I think Plato. I, I think Plato works for the. Uh, I read, what was that called? Plato's Republic. I read years ago. I don't know why, but I, I think he's working for, for for the federal government writing the. Uh, he wrote the emergency response guidebook in, in a lot of cases. But uh, in general, you know, it's got to uh, fulfill the requirements of what I just told you, the CFR 49. And uh, they don't actually have to, it's kind of a strange deal, but they don't have to hire a company to do it. They can do it in-house. And, and you know, the, the bottom line with the, with the uh, training is, is that it has to fulfill the obligations that the federal government wants. So things like... Uh, that you're, you know, you do a review of the requirements of the DOT regulations, you know, relative to what you're transporting. Uh, that you, the driver, review basic safety elements, including, you know, how to recognize and identify hazardous materials. You know, and the DOT lays right. that out, and you know, communicate the hazard. Uh, review the basic operations required for handling emergencies. You know, what do you do if there's a problem? Um, and demonstrate. Okay some basic ones you probably remember from your own uh, hazmat training you know you you know they ask you a few questions about you know uh, shipping labels placards and and what's applicable how to use the emergency response guidebook which in the case of that powder that you had that was on the floor of that trailer that was melting through the floor that about all you could have done (laughs) you might have wanted to have a copy of this uh, emergency response guidebook and you can look look it up (laughs) Yeah, if, if, uh, well, well, you know what? Let me tell you something. If we're, if we're on this, uh, there is an 800 uh, uh, line that the federal government has for hazmat. Were, were you aware of that? And you can ask a question. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Did you want me to give out that? that number? You have it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have that number. yeah and it's 1-800-467-4900. And they're open nine to five Eastern time. And you know, if a driver has a question, like you got that powder, like you had, and and you need to know, hey, what what do I do? Um, you can call that hotline, mm-hmm. and you know, there's somebody there that's trained in, in hazmat uh, will answer your question for you. So well, uh, let's let, let, let's hope it happens between nine and five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's, um, that's, that's like calling the suicide line, and you get a recording. We're closed right now. <laughs> I got it. Hello, 911, I got a gun to my head. Yeah, leave, please leave a yeah. message and, and uh, call back after right. your brain's out. But uh, they do have, please, <laughs> man, you got me started now. They do, in fact, have a voicemail. So if you call after 5 and, oh. you're, and, and yeah, and you, and, you, and you got a 55 gallons of something that's eating your sneakers, they will know about it when they get to work. So. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> but we'll get into that. If, there's other, if that were the case, there is other numbers in, on your paperwork and all. Uh, yeah, I know. There's always that, always that 24 hour, and you know, the, the, you know, they, there has to be somebody there 24 hours because the emergency response team would have to come out. So, there, there are but now I know. This 
would be for a situation where a driver's got something on there and he's got a question and he's trying to uh, figure it out and he can't or, you know, and they're, they're helpful right. and, and, you know, and they can tell him, look, you know, this is what's, what's eating your sneakers and, you know, hopefully it's not a problem. Um, well, uh, well, I'm, I mean, I know firsthand and I won't mention any names on the show, but, but I've seen, I've seen time and time again trucking companies require their drivers to have a hazmat endorsement. And their training consists of having the driver watch a little five to ten minute video on hazmat, and after that, the driver gets a little card to carry in their pocket stating that they're hazmat certified. I mean, but but then again, really, I guess, I mean that meets that meets the requirements that you you were just talking about, right? That I mean, I don't think so, but you know, it, it, it's like I say, it's up to them. They don't have to. Uh, you know they don't have to necessarily send them away to a class, but I, it, it'd be hard just watching a little movie to to understand all of it. Especially you know that they they want you to demonstrate that you have some knowledge of it. So there, there's a little bit of a you know uh, a, a high side and a low side as far as the training is concerned. You know, and uh, yeah, because I've 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 seen these videos. I've seen many of them. You know, five, ten, ten, fifteen minute videos and. And then, then, then they tell me I'm certified. And well, I'll, I'll give you a funny example. A company I worked for over in Ocala for a short time <laughs> required their drivers to do the unloading of the trailer, which the driver had to use a forklift. But, but, but before you could do that, new regulation states that a driver has to be certified to operate various forklift equipment and so forth. And well, it had been 25 years since I'd operated a forklift. So the the, the dispatcher he he said to me. You can drive a forklift, right? And I said, well, you know, I can figure it out. And uh, so he filled out some little certification card and handed it to me and said, here, you're certified. Well, <laughs> well, the first time I hopped on one of those big forklifts at a warehouse down in Tampa, I had to ask somebody how to even start the thing. And uh, and here's the kicker. I was unloading a shipment of hazmat. <laughs> so, oh, man. Uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of things like this goes on, and, and I, I just don't think it's right, but Maybe maybe that uh, little video is all that's required, and because really, like I said earlier, the driver isn't there to handle the situation. He's just there to know what to do. I mean, to 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 secure the area, to keep people away, and until the the real experts, the the uh, hazmat response team shows up. I mean, that's that's all I can figure out anyway. Yeah, it's uh, it, you know it would be a lot better if they all went. Back. But my current employer, I spent four hours easy online doing an online course for their safety training, you know, and it was pretty intense. And uh, well, you know. well, I, I've I've studied pipeline transportation. I mean, they're they're a good company. They have a they actually have a, an excellent safety record. I mean, probably the best in the business. Yeah, they're they're real picky. They're real picky, and they do it right, you know, and. Uh, I think most companies do, but unfortunately, I guess there's still a few out there showing videos. But uh, you know, if they get caught not not having the proper training, they're in a heap of trouble. So yeah, well, well, I know there's big fines too. I mean, well, let's say getting back to your industry, the petroleum products. Um, if a driver were to have a major spill, like thousands of gallons of gas, diesel, whatever, spill from the tanker. Give us a rundown on the emergency procedures that 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 drivers is supposed to follow. Well, you know, if you're talking thousands of gallons, you got to say, uh, run. <laughs> I mean, in some run. cases, <laughs> a real. Get, get, I think. Get, I, I think that's what I would do. <laughs> get get those getaway sticks, click in northbound. It'd be my first advice, you know. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, and, and, and you know, and I'm joking around with you, Alan. But in some cases, that is the only option you have. And and hopefully, if there's no one else involved, uh, but you know, you got to think about safety first. And and if if that quantity of a thing like gasoline is spilling off of a truck, I mean, there's nothing that that driver can do. Hopefully, if there right. was someone else involved, and you can get them out of there and drag them out of there, then then do that. I'm not suggesting you leave people behind. Um, but the first thing to do is, is save yourself in, in a situation right. like that, uh, and then secure and then, the and then, Excuse right. me. Right, and that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Then it just goes back to they just they just secure the area and keep people away till the response team arrives. Right. 
you secure it the, the scene the best that you can. You know, I mean, if it's a situation where, where you know, if you can, if, if if the road needs to be blocked, then you can do that without getting run over. You know what I mean? If you can stop traffic, just whatever you've got to do to keep people away from it. You know, and uh, you you already know. I mean, if you know what you're dealing with, you know, you know what the hazards are, and uh, obviously call nine one one as soon as you possibly can. And uh, also, <clears throat> at some point, you want to call. I'll just call your employer. And on the shipping document, usually Chem Truck. There's three or four different uh, companies that deal in that type of thing. You call their 800 number. But uh, I, I mean, it's hard to remember anybody's 800 number in a situation like that. If you call 911 and they know they're dealing with a gasoline spill, the hazmat team, will, the closest one, will be on their way. You know. But uh, right. And then if they run, they, they leave the paperwork in the truck that has the 24-hour emergency phone number on there. That, <laughs> so it. That, it can get pretty hectic, I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I said run. But, you know, it would depend on what it is. But what you're talking about is you're risking a catastrophic uh, kind of thing. So I, I would suggest just get anybody that you can and yourself safely away as quickly as possible. And at that point, you know, someone will hopefully call 911 because you're probably not thinking about grabbing your phone out of the truck either when you're running, you know. So Yeah, I would imagine. Well, they... Um well, yeah, though, I mean, so, I mean, I mean, hazmat materials are stored at nearly 5 million facilities throughout the United States, and there's so many different kinds. I mean, there's chemical, explosives, flammable, combustible, uh, what else, poisons, radioactive. I mean, there's all kinds of different hazmat substances. So, I mean, for those drivers who, who may be tired of over-the-road driving and looking at going local or something and thinking about pulling hazmat, because that is one area of transportation that can offer local work with decent pay. I mean, what would be some of the suggestions to alleviate any fears that, like, these drivers or new drivers may be having about pulling hazmat? Can you give us some of those? Well, you know, yeah, it's a tough one, Alan, in, in a way. Um, a lot of loads, you know, like when I was hauling freight, I mean, like I said, there could be a, a, a pallet of hairspray in the front, and that's hazmat. If that's the type of thing, the fact is that if, if it's handled properly, and I did have poison gas. Those were the ones that bothered me. I don't know what kind of gas it was, but you'd get your paperwork and these big green canisters, and I always thought when I opened right. the back door of the truck, you know, I'd take a deep <laughs> breath, and if I was still alive, I knew I didn't have a problem, you know. <laughs> but that, that, those were the only ones that... You know, for a guy that hauls gas, the gas doesn't bother me. The poison gas cylinders actually uh, kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. But if it's yeah. handled properly, <laughs> the fact is uh, most hazmat loads, they're, they're not hazardous to haul necessarily, you know. And most companies have good training programs and, you know, whatever safety gear and loading and unloading procedures, if they're followed, it, it's a safe way to make a living. And, you know, as far as any drivers out there that are thinking about hazmat, it, would depend on you know specifically what hazmat it is because a lot of it really isn't uh, you know it's all fiberglass resin and that was placarded and I think you could have you know you could have rubbed it on yourself you wouldn't have really got hurt too much you know but it was hazmat right. so but it wasn't mm -hmm. very flammable although it was flammable but I would suggest a driver give it some thought and you know honestly if it creates a situation where you have to stress over it all the time uh, mm -hmm. you might want to think about hauling something else, you know, but just uh, if you ask the, the right questions to your employer, and, you know, uh, in a lot of cases, it's it's not unsafe, but uh, personally, I, I had the unfortunate experience of uh, driving by a tanker fire that had just been put out a couple years ago, and uh, they were still out, they weren't spraying anything on, but there, there was there was two frame rails and some melted hubs and smoldering uh, runes, you know, there was just nothing left that you could identify, you know, I was at, and I was on my way to uh, uh Tampa, Florida, to uh, pick up a load of gasoline, and this was a gasoline tanker, and the guy driving it lived in my town. So I, I you know, I got to tell you, I mean, it put a knot in my stomach, and uh, I yeah, I, I, I knew I, there's been some. You knew the guy, you knew the people. Yeah, I didn't. It's what I knew his face. I mean, we weren't friends or anything, but you know, it was only a couple days later I even found out. But you know, that bugged me, and you know, I just put it out of my head. But the, there's no magic solution. It's just a choice we have to make, and. Uh, well, you know, drivers, uh, these pro drivers out there, you know, you hear a lot about it in the media and everything, but they're, you know, they're top notch. They're, you know, they're professional. They're, you know, it always, it always find it funny that they have to live by these 11 hour rules and have to shut down, but yet, 
you know, somebody can go buy a 70-foot motorhome and, and drive nonstop for 48 hours if they want. I, I never have figured out that rule but because, I mean, these, these drivers out there, they're the best in the business. They're professionals, you know. They know what they're doing. and But yet they have to shut down after 11 hours. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it is crazy. It is crazy. As a matter of fact, that particular uh, individual, they, they, were, uh, they never did figure out what happened. You know, so it, it may have been that a sleepy driver in the car cut him off. They never figured out how it happened. You know, it was one vehicle yeah. accident, so it, it's hard to say. Maybe yeah. somebody changed lanes faster. What happened there, you know? Well, you know, they, they drive pretty crazy down here in South Florida. They, and that's what happened not, not too long ago, that one down there south by uh, Bradenton or somewhere down in there, Brandon or wherever. And um, it, usually, it usually turns out to be... Um, the other traffic, you know, that kind of cuts them off, or that was during a rainstorm and everything. But, but uh, overall, overall they're pretty safe. And and uh, you know, like you've been hauling gasoline for a long time, and and you've never you've never had any problems, right? No. Yeah. No. So uh, it's just a matter of keeping your mind on the job. And but uh, see, I wonder if there's. Um, I don't. I don't really see it around here. I mean, I've I've been involved in hazmat. I'm no expert in anything, but uh, yeah, they're they're top-notch drivers. I mean, I guess that's why there's so much transported across the United States, and you know, seldom anything ever goes wrong. So, you know, cheers to those drivers. They know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, they do. And you know, I think the hazmat companies in general, and uh, my employer specifically, but I think a lot of them, you know, they're looking for someone who's actually been driving a while. You know, it's not place right you're going to cut your teeth on how to drive the tractor trailer you you really need to know you need to be good at that before you ever think about it you know and, oh um, yeah i would think well if, if if they're looking if they're looking at coming off the road and never pulled hazmat or anything um what some what what are some of the questions they should ask a potential employer before taking the job well you know i ask them you know right up front what are the dangers of the job you know, are you going to be exposed to, uh, to to any any kind of chemicals? I know in the case of gasoline, there's benzene in it and there's fumes, and uh, you know, so that's something that you might want to know. You're you, you may be breathing this stuff in, uh, and if are there high levels of of any kind of chemicals that you're going to be dealing with? And you know, uh, employers they'll tell you up front they they got to know that anyway, so that they'll, they'll give you that kind of information. Yeah, uh, yeah in some cases, uh, noise levels, cancer risks. Uh, That'd be the benzene. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. I don't know why that uh, sticks in my mind, but there was a sign at uh, Amico facility that said this probably contained benzene and it caused cancer in rats. So that's how I found out about benzene years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, every, the, everything everything causes cancer anymore. Yeah, Hamburger meat causes you know, cancer. Well, I should have noticed all the rats in the terminal were walking around with tumors on their head, right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might have been a good sign. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta have a sense of humor about the rats, you know. But so far, I've still got two eyes, not four. Uh, and what kind of training, you know? I, I mean, if someone's gonna uh, talk to a potential, what kind of training they're gonna receive, you know? And I, 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 I you know, I'm going back to that video, but that's really, I, I wasn't honestly aware that, that anybody did just a little video and said, "Hey, you're you're hazmat oh, certified yeah. now." That's that's not. Oh, a bunch of them. I. Yeah, well, I guess I haven't been around enough. You know, the companies I've worked for have all, uh, you know, going back into the, well, I was only an operator back in the 80s, and, you know, hazmat wasn't as big of an issue back then, uh, nearly like it is now, but every company that I've worked for since uh, 1989 has had thorough uh, thorough hazmat training, so I, kinda, I guess I've been picking the good ones, huh? Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> and uh, you, you might want to ask them, you know, do they have safety meetings? And, you know, so that if you have a concern safety-wise, you know, a lot of times the drivers will see stuff that the management can't possibly see. And, you know, if you talk to them, and, you know, you might want to know if they have safety meetings so that you can voice your opinion. And, and a lot of companies will work with you and, and make the job safer if there's a way they can do that. Uh, you'd want to know about safety gear. You know, will they provide it? And will they train on how to use it? You know, currently I'm wearing uh, hard hat goggles, flame-proof clothing and all, and the company's supplying all that because it'd be kind of expensive. Uh, want to know, you know, if you're going to be trained for emergency procedures, what to do, which uh, if you're hauling hazmat, they, they definitely uh, you want to know. 
Uh, you want to know how to run, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> how fast how can fast? you run? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where, but yeah, you want to know, uh, you know, you know, where the fire extinguishers, things like that, first aid kits, anything, you know, that that might be relevant to, to uh, you know, if you, if you did have a problem. Uh, I, I know my case is kind of off topic here a little bit, but uh, I got gasoline shot. And I was out in, the, in an orange orchard and I was unhooking, and the gas sprayed in my eyes. I couldn't see. So I had, and I felt my way, it was it was pretty scary. You know, there was no spill or anything, just talking like a couple of tablespoons full. But uh, I had some water in the cab, and I you know, doused my eyes, and I could see again. But, you know, you, some of the safety stuff, but, you know, if someone told me wearing goggles was a good idea, that wouldn't have happened, you know. So uh, train, <laughs> tra- training matters. Uh, and what do you do if you get hurt, you know? Uh, what what right. kind of services are available to you there? And uh, what are your health and safety responsibilities? You know, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, you, you know, the driver ha- could get hurt because he, you know, doesn't know the rules or, or doesn't follow them. So, you know, you've got to cooperate with the employers with their rules and training and do everything right, you know, and put the goggles right. on. Uh, right. Another question I ask is who do, who do, you know, if you have a health or safety question, who do you ask? And, you know, the first thing would be the employer, but you can always call OSHA, uh, and they have an 800 number. I mean, if you have a question about anything on the job, you you, you want the 800 number? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I have, yeah, that? I got me some 800 numbers here. It's 1-800-321-6742. Okay, 1-800-321-6742, and that's, that's straight to OSHA. That's straight to OSHA, yeah. And I don't have OSHA's okay. hours. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say 9 to 5 Eastern Standard Time, so... That's probably about okay. but they can answer any question and and I give the federal government credit they have taken the time to train people and have them available to to help out so you know that's a if there's a chemical that you're maybe exposed to hauling you know they can answer uh, a lot of questions about the dangers associated with it if you know if you're you know if if that's a, an issue with whether or not you want to take a job with any given company you know so. right okay well. Well, we're just about out of time. It's been really a pleasure talking to you. you gave us some great information, and and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. A lot of a lot of uh, had a lot of fun along the way too. It was enjoyable. Hope, hope we can do it again soon. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, Alan. I, boy, that hour went by quick. You know. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, it goes by fast when you're having fun. But uh, must have been but, having fun. Well, th- well, thanks again, and. Uh, and if you are a driver, new or experienced, and thinking about hauling hazmat, but have some questions or concerns, you can you can email me at alan at truthabouttrucking.com, and I'll forward your question to Mr. Zuski, and when he answers it, I'll send it right back to you. So, and again, my special thanks to Mr. Jim Powell of LogisticsTraining.com for his help and preparation for this show. I really appreciate it, and. And be sure to catch our next live broadcast scheduled for August 16th, next Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when Dr. Joseph Neshawad of Memphis, Tennessee will be our guest. And you can ask the doctor any question you may have concerning a health issue that many drivers face. And be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites. We appreciate it. And, and Barry, thanks again. Thanks for being here. I really, I really do thank you. Uh, thank you for having me, Alan. It's been an absolute pleasure. And so, until then, for Truth About Trucking Live, this is Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening.